reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you mean to bless us every week. In fact, every day. We give you this. We ask that you would make this transforming so that we could establish your kingdom within ourselves and accomplish everything you set before us, every good and awesome thing that you have planned for us. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Do you understand your sin is covered by the blood of Christ? That's a finished work, right? That's completely finished. You don't need any more cleansing. His work was completely sufficient. So if that's true, then what's the battle? (laughs) I mean, who's in a battle? I know I am. This week was horrendous on my family. It was unbelievable, the attack in so many varied forms that came at us this week. And so if the blood of Christ is completely sufficient and that work is completely finished, what is the battle about? You know, the epic battle that you find yourself in, do you know what it is? It's the enemy's attempt to keep you from your purposes. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. It's the enemy's attempt to keep you from your purposes. And we're going to look at that this morning, okay? Last week, um, we walked with Ezra as the people of Israel you know, came out of Babylon and they've been moved by the Spirit to build the house of God. So when we read in the Word of God a story about building the house of God, the story is about you, right? Okay, so they go to build the house of God. We focused on the fact that the first thing that they do is set the altar in its place. And they begin to raise a column of smoke, which as soon as you raise that column, it takes the eyes of your adversary and the eyes of the resistance go straight at you. There is an adversary that does not want you to succeed in building the house of God, right? So despite fear, despite knowing that as soon as they raise this column, they do it anyway. They set the altar in faith, and we're going to look at that really intensely this morning. In faith, they set the altar in its place, and they raise that column of smoke that declares this spot is set apart. That's our context. Now, here's what I want to do. Before we even jump in, I feel it really strongly. Throughout the week, I felt this really strongly that we should solidify the truth of what we're talking about right there, and then we're going to look at the resistance a little bit. Now, here's what we're talking about. You understand when the Scripture says that they set the altar in its place. What does that mean, in its place? They were setting up the altar in the place in which it goes. Now, you understand this is in the midst of ruins. The temple is not built. The walls are crumbled and burned. They're not there. Things are destroyed. You have to picture ruins. But they took and set the altar in its place, in the spot where it goes, as if the walls are in place and the glory and splendor of the house of God to the fullness of the stature of God is built in its place. It's not, but the altar is put in that place. Now, I want to show you what this means for you. And this is so critical. I believe that this will make really even what we talked about last week, it'll make it crystal clear. You know what this is telling you? 
God is looking out over the world and he's looking for that column of smoke, okay? But this is what he's looking for. This is what he's saying. He's saying, let the search for good real estate end. We found it. Now, how does he know that? He knows that because in the proper place, in the place where the temple is supposed to be, who's that? Point at yourself. (laughs) That's in ruins. That's not like it's supposed to be. There's a column of smoke coming from the ruins. And God looks and he says, I found a place that is prepared and ready to build. I've been waiting for this. I found a place. Fill in your name. When he sees your ruins and your column of smoke, he says, I found a place. Linda, let's build the house of God in all of its glory right here. There's a place that's ready. That's the setting apart. That's the bottom line of dedication that we've been talking about, this sanctification. Now, last week, something extraordinary happened. I invited you all to stand if you believed that that God was setting new foundations to build the glory of the house of God in new ways this year. And I thought two or three people would stand up. You think, because I'm up here, I'm a man of great faith. And I expected about two or three people to stand up and practically the whole place stood up. That's incredible. Do you understand... Do you understand how cool that is? If you all believe, if you really do believe that and you you stood, you're believing that God is about to do these wonders among you? That's cool. That means this is a great place to be. I want to be with you guys. Okay, but here's what it did. You, You blew my whole game plan because my faith wasn't, I didn't expect that. So as I spent time with God this week, I'm saying, well, what does this mean, Lord? What do you want me to do? And where he led me, partly by bringing attack into my life and hearing about attack going on in some of your lives, he said, show them what happens next in the story. So that's, that wasn't my plan, but that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what happens next. So let's keep going in the story. Go with me to Ezra chapter 4, and we're starting right in verse 1. Now where we're at here, they've set the altar in its place, They've raised that column of smoke that tells everyone around that declares we are set apart and the work of God to build the house is starting right here. We're back. (laughs) Okay, that's happened. And now they've laid the foundations and they're getting ready to start building the house of God. And this is what they find next. Brace yourself. Verse 1, it says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, notice we're talking about when the adversaries saw and heard about this, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Eshardon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now, just stop for a minute. I want you to notice something. Don't get confused here. The Word of God just said when the adversaries saw that they were doing this, they came and said, let us build with you, for we seek your God. Okay? Don't get confused. This is their adversaries. And then in verse 3, it says, but Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel said to them, you may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, for our God. Okay? You see the wisdom here. 
but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Now, I'm going to tell you what you just read. Several things, okay? And this is true about you. Remember, God is always building the house of God in you until you reach the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. And here's what you just read. This is attempt number one to thwart God's purposes in you, to thwart the building of that house. And I want you to notice what it is. It's a, let me join in with you. The enemy, the adversary, wanting to mingle into that building of the house of God. That's true in your life. We're going to see this more clearly as we move this morning, but it's going to come in circumstances. It's going to come people, well-meaning people sometimes, other times not so well-meaning people, and spiritual. Adversaries are going to come and try to mingle in the work. That's the first attempt. Remember, when you see it in your own life, You can just remind yourself that you know from the Word of God that this is to be expected and that, don't get confused, the purpose is to confound and thwart the work of the building of the house of God. And that will become more clear as we go. Now I want to tell you something before we move on. The more powerfully that you are walking into your purposes in God, the more powerfully the more deceitfully and the more consistently attempts are going to come in to try and mingle with you to thwart that. You'll see it every time. I have to tell you, from the time that I started, I I accepted this call from God and started doing this. It would probably blow your mind to know how often people have come and spiritual influences have come in the guise of let us help you build only to discover that their entire intention was to thwart and disrupt and slow it down and cause trouble. I've come to where I just accept it. And I'm reading this. God shows me this in the Word of God. And I see this this week. And He wants me to tell you that this is to be expected. When this comes against you, you just let that be evidence that He's seen your column of smoke. He knows your ruins and He's perfectly good with it. As far as you are dedicated to Him and you begin to raise that column of smoke, God says, I see a good place to build. And the adversary doesn't like that. Amen? Okay, go with me to verse 4. So what happened? Their attempt was rejected. Their attempt was, no thanks. <laughs> really, we'll do, we'll do this. Those of us that were moved by the Spirit of God to come and do this, we will do this. So then what's their response? Verse 4, it says, Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. Now there's their real heart, right? They troubled them in building. Listen to the extent they go to. And hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of King Cyrus of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. That's several kings later. There's this consistent effort. So you hear me saying, listen, there was a continuous and persistent adversary against what they knew God had called them to do and that they were there to accomplish. Continuous and persistent adversary against them. Does anybody feel that in their life right now? Yeah, I feel it too. But we know he's going to win. We know he's going to win. 
And, and that's why we must remain set apart. That's why the altar comes first. That's why that declaration, that column of smoke, must be non-ceasing. You'll remember when we read, I don't have it here prepared for this morning, but just a few verses earlier in Ezra chapter 3, we read that they, that they were offering these sacrifices in the morning and the afternoon. They did it for the Feast of Tabernacles and for all the free will offerings. And it goes on and on. What's it telling you? It's telling you that it is continuous. The smoke never stops rising. And the reason that's necessary is because the continuous and persistent adversary against the purposes that God is establishing in your life, they're not going to stop coming. And so we remain set apart. And then here comes the real strike. Look at verse 6 with me. And it says, In the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they, that's the adversaries, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. That's really the thrust of the attack, okay? They wrote an accusation. Now, between this morning and next week, it is my prayer, and I am trusting God, that you're going to have a crystal clear understanding of this aspect of our enemy's plans against you. This is all he can do. He makes accusations against you. We're going to look at this, okay? And understanding this is power to overcome. So the first thing I want to show you, though, is this. I'm going to tell you what their accusation was. It's, it's lengthy and it's a long letter. I recommend you go read it. Keep reading in Ezra for a chapter or maybe two. And the accusation is right there. And this is the accusation. They're trying to convince the king that they are a rebellious, non-tax-paying um, people, that they're going to be trouble. Now, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm okay with it if you choose to think, to interpret that that is coincidence. I really am. I'm okay with it. It's not an essential, but I don't. I don't do that. You understand that all through the prophets and all through the scriptures, even God himself says that they are a rebellious, stiff-necked people. <laughs> So listen, I want to show you, if you believe that with me, I want to show you something powerful. This is what the enemy tries to do in your life as well. He tries to take things from your past, sometimes generations before you, which is what's going on here, and use it as accusation against you to tarnish you so that your authorization to move forward and build the house of God gets stopped. Many of you will remember our teaching on iniquity. Okay, There is iniquity in their, in their past. They are rebellious. Now this is twisted. This is their enemy. And next week we're really going to look at how the enemy is a slanderer. He's a false accuser. But he takes something true hoping to gain a legal status into your life. And that's what he's doing here. In my interpretation, it is not a coincidence that they are being accused of something that God's very own words has said that at times in the past is true about them. And he uses it in accusation against them. And of course, we're going to see this in Jesus' temptations and Jesus' proving in the wilderness. We're really going to look at this next week. But the whole point is what? Do you, do you see the point here? The whole point is to disqualify them to try and disqualify them for the powerful things that are laid out for them. I can promise you one thing. Your adversary is going to try to disqualify you for it. That's coming. 
who's already in the throes of feeling that attack. <laughs> I have to cast that down at least once a week, and that's, that's kind of being kind. Sometimes it's, uh, I get up every morning, and I have to remind myself who I am, and I have to go, you know what, your accusations are not going to work. I know what God has me up to, and you are not going to slow me down. You can bring people, you can bring circumstances, you could bring a sickness, you could bring an attack, you could bring a slander against me, and it's not going to work. Because I'm going to build the house of God right here. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. This is right after talking about dedicating yourselves. Okay, so it's not outside of what we're doing here with sanctification and coming to understand what that is really. And here, so it's after that conversation, it goes right and says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. We're going to keep going, keep your finger there, but does that remind you of something we talked about last week? He calls you into a land that his eyes are always on, that he cares about. And this says he cares about you, okay? So he's saying, cast your anxiety. This is going to connect in a bit. And go on to verse 8. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Why do you need to be self-controlled and alert? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour looking for his end to stop the building of the house of God. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Standing firm in the faith. Now keep that in your mind. Standing firm in the faith. This gets so good. I know we're kind of, we're kind of stepping around here, but this gets so good before we're done that you're going to have a treasure when you go home, I promise. Go with me to Acts 26 and verse 14. It's going to look strange that we're going here, but look, we've been looking at three stories for the last several weeks, right? We're looking at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which follows the same pattern. He doesn't violate his father's pattern for the start, the foundations of new things. We're looking at Ezra doing that with the people. We've looked at Joshua beginning new things, and now this is Saul. This is the calling of Saul. Saul being the temple, being the house of God. A great light comes from heaven. And so him and those traveling with him on the road to Damascus, they fall to the ground. And this is what the Word of God says. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying, in the Hebrew language, which is interesting because they would have spoke Aramaic. We can't really go there, but in the Hebrew language, God is speaking to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Do you guys see some ruins here? Paul's the epitome of ruins. Okay? And in verse 15, So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now we're going to pay really close attention to these words. Okay? In verse 16 it says, But rise and stand on your feet. That's the next thing Jesus says. That's what you did last week when you blew me away. Rise and stand on your feet. Now we're going to see why. Why does Jesus say to us, rise and stand on your feet? For, which is the same thing, because I have appeared to you for this purpose. Now I'll tell you something. We are called to him and he says to us, rise and stand on your feet because he has purpose. It is all about purpose. He has good purposes for you. 
He didn't save you to set you aside. Okay? For purpose we rise and stand to our feet. It goes on and says, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will reveal to you. Now listen to what it is, okay? I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. So, okay, Paul's learning something about his calling. He's being sent to the Gentiles. We could spend all morning on just that. Knowing Paul's life, that's a mind blower. God just gave him a mind blower. I'm sending you, (laughs) the chief of them all, who's persecuting Jesus because they're straying from the religion, the law, to the Gentiles. That's a practical joke. Okay? And that's the purpose that God's calling him to. That's why he's to rise and stand. But listen now. This is all of our call. Listen to this. Verse 18 to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And this is the whole reason we're reading this. So so watch every word. That there's two things we're going to see. First, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. You see salvation. The first part of the call is salvation. Hold that. And the second thing, and, this is part two, and, inheritance among those who are sanctified in faith in me. I'm going to tell you why that's significant, okay? Because usually, I I know what you do because I do it too. When you read this quickly and you don't pay attention, you think that that just said saved by faith in me. But that was the first part before the and. It doesn't say that. It says saved in faith. That's the forgiveness of sins. And an inheritance among those who are sanctified in faith, in Him. What sanctifies you? Faith. I'm going to show you this very clearly so you walk out of here understanding what that means, how you're sanctified in faith. To do that, I'm going to read out in my big book here. Look at the size of this book. (laughs) And this is not the Bible. This is the American Dictionary, the Noah Webster 1828 version. The reason that's significant is that means This is the length. My stand isn't good enough to hold up my book. (laughs) It's a big book. Okay, this is the language. You know, language evolves. This is the language when they were translating the Bible. That's why I love this book, actually. I use this all the time. But I want to read you some definitions of sanctify, and you're going to know exactly why I'm doing this. Sanctify. To separate, set apart, or appoint... For holy, sacred, or religious use. You see, what we do is we think that we're clean just for the sake of being clean. Like we say, oh, be be sanctified or be consecrated. That that's just, you know, be clean, be without blemish, and, and that's it. Okay, go ahead back to your TV show or whatever. But you notice that this is for use. Okay, I'm going to read you another one. This is going to get more and more clear. To purify, to prepare for divine service, and for partaking of holy things. For divine service. Sanctification is clean for a purpose. One more. And then i got to put this book down because I have to hold the stand up. <laughs> okay, to separate, ordain, and appoint, or anoint, to the work of redemption and the government of the church. That was understood in 1828. You understand most of the time when you see church in a passage in the scriptures, it's usually the word is ecclesia, which is a law word. It means government. 
Do you understand that you are an authority? You are meant to be an authority in this reality. You are the government of God here. The church is the government of God in this place. You're set apart for purpose. So it's very important to see that the call here is to bring people into the inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. Okay, sanctified. Who are set apart for a purpose. It's that faith. You see, that's a different faith. There is saving faith and there is sanctifying faith. There is believing that you're set apart for purpose, that he has plans that he has prepared in advance for you to do, high purposes in your life that he's moving you to. Okay, we're going to make this really crystal clear by looking at a story of Jesus. Go with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is so good. Lord, help me do this well. Y'all know this story. Jesus has been teaching in Capernaum all day, and he's going to escape the crowds and head. Jesus knows that his purpose is always out there ahead. He doesn't lose faith in that. So what they do to avoid the crowd and head to the next thing, they get in some boats. And I'll just start reading. It says in verse 35, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now you can choose to have that be coincidence, but you see those words, let us cross over to the other side. They're always crossing over to the other side for the glory of God's purposes in their life. All through the word of God. They cross to the other side of the desert, the people coming out of Egypt. The people coming with Ezra come across to the other side of the desert. Joshua must go to the other side of the river to go into the place of promise and establish the reign of God. So Jesus says, let us cross over to the other side. He says, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. As he was. We could teach about that all day, but we won't. And other little boats also were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, that's Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. There's Jesus. He's, he's perfectly at peace. He's so at peace, he's sleeping in the storm that's trying to keep them from getting to the other side. That's thwarting their getting to the other side, okay? And they awoke him and said to him. So, you know, they're all freaked out. So they wake him up and they say, Teacher, listen to what they say. Do you not care that we are perishing? There's a perspective for you. As far as they're concerned, they're good as dead. <laughs> they are perishing while Jesus sleeps. I'm going to tell you what you're reading. Do you know why Jesus is perfectly peacefully asleep while they're so scared they think they're dead? He knows. He is not confused. He knows that God has called purposes that he's on his way to. You see? And when you know that, you also know that you're in the safest place on earth. That you're untouchable. Even in the middle of a storm. Go ahead. Bring a storm against me. Right? Because I'm absolutely certain that I have been called to purposes. Ask me right now and I'll tell you they're too big for me. There's no way I can do them anyway. So the only way we move forward in faith is that we know that God is doing it. That's how he's asleep. He's asleep in the storm. It doesn't tell us whether he knows exactly where he's going. I'll tell you where he's going. They're going to land on the other shore at the Gadarenes. 
and it's the place of the tombs where there's a demon-possessed man there, they're going to land and he's going to set some captives free. He's going to release this man from the oppression, from what he announced in the temple would be the calling on his life. He knows his purposes. He knows he's called. He knows the Father's going to do it. And so he sleeps with a pillow. He's going to have a good snooze. He's got some work to do tomorrow. But they're saying, we're perishing here. (laughs) There's a perspective. Okay, go to verse 39 with me. It says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. This is going to be for this morning and for next week. I want you to see, Jesus is not timid about using the power God gives him to keep him going forward in the purposes that he knows he's supposed to do. Did you catch that? He's not timid to use the power God gave him to move forward into the purposes set before him. You know that's for you too, right? He wants you to be there too. He does. He wants you to sleep in the boat. But when you need to stop something thwarting you, or perhaps stop something that is thwarting the body of believers, He means for you to be powerful enough to stop the storm. Now here's really why we're reading this. So listen to these words. He says to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey Him? It's kind of harsh. No faith? I want to tell you why you can say that and why it's accurate, why it's true. You see, they have saving faith. They are with the Savior. When you're with Him, you're good. Just by the very virtue of the fact that they're in the boat with Him, they're saved. They're with Him. When He says, how is it that you have no faith? He's talking about a different faith. He's not talking about the faith of salvation. He's talking about the faith of sanctification. He's talking about the faith that I believe God has purposes in front of me and He is going to do it and I can rest in that and I can utilize the power that He gives me to make that happen with Him. The faith that I am set apart for this. I am chosen for this. That's the faith of sanctification. You see the difference? You see, you understand, this is so important, you understand that you can be fully in assurance, you can, you can be fully occupying, enjoying the faith of salvation and not have started on the road at all the faith of sanctification. The faith that the way that you walk is on the foundations that you believe that He has purposes for you, that He sends you. I send you, Jesus said, I send you like my Father sent me. That I'm sent to high callings, to very purposeful, powerful, significant things. I am sent into those. That's the faith of sanctification. The faith that you're set apart for purposes. Set apart for stuff. That's a whole nother faith. And the thing about that faith is the minute you begin to go that way, the minute you begin to walk into that, you have a very real adversary. Sure, he would like to stop you from being saved, but he desperately and fearfully needs to stop you from being powerful for the kingdom of God so that exponentially multitudes are brought into the power with you 
and this kingdom is advanced and the house is built into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Now that's what he's worried about. And so he's going to come. He's going to try to mingle into your life and say, I can help you out with that. I can be useful. Make covenant with me. I'll even be useful to you. Let me mingle into this work. And we're really going to focus on this next week. And it's going to be really powerful. Be here next week as we're going to look at Jesus. His proving. The process that makes Him able to overcome every false accusation that our slanderer brings against us. But really, I want you to be encouraged this morning, okay? Because I'm hearing your stories. I'm praying for you. And I know my own. When the enemy is coming against you, it's really just evidence. When you're in the trials and you're walking through the stuff that would love to make you doubt your high calling in God, that would love to make you doubt whether you're capable of walking out these purposes He has laid out before you. I can make that one easy for you. You're not capable. So <laughs> let it go. And you don't want to do the things you're capable of. You want to do the things you're called to. It's just evidence. It's just you understand your adversary has no need to come against you if you're no threat whatsoever. I've reached a point in my life, if I get too comfortable, if it seems like, man, I haven't really faced an attack head on anymore, I start going into prayer, going, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? This, is, this feels too easy. See, this is what I'm going to close with. I have one more scripture, but I, I just um, here's what I need to say. You understand that the minute you send up that couch, you all stood. It's not my fault. <laughs> you all stood. The minute you start walking forward in that kind of faith, that's sanctifying faith. That's the faith where you go, I'm, you know the declaration I'm making? I'm making the declaration that I'm set apart for some stuff. God's about to do wonders among you. You better hold on to your butts. That's that one. It's sanctifying faith. And the minute you step out in that kind of faith and y'all stand up like that, then there's an adversary coming too. We have nothing to fear, but we do want to be informed. And so we're really going to get informed next week. I wanted to lay the foundations and I want you to be encouraged really this morning. I want you to know that that is to be expected. The moment you step in the direction of your purposes and you become a threat and you start saying, I am going to carry the purposes of God and I believe that fully and He's going to do it. Then you got an adversary coming. Not that you have to fear, but that you do have to be aware of and you have to know how to overcome him. Let's do this. Those of you who I haven't just scared and have this firm belief that you are set apart to God for purposes, and he's doing new things. Go ahead and stand again. And I just, in light of all the things that I know of that have been going on this week and everything, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray a protection and a victory um, so that we keep moving forward into these purposes, okay? Father, we thank you for this word. And I just ask you, Jesus, that this would be encouraging in your spirit. Even that you, Holy Spirit, would come and encourage hearts that are drowning in trial. That you would touch families and bring back health, even right now as we pray. And Lord, that you would touch situations and begin to bring victory to them, even right now as we pray. That you would begin to alleviate and loosen the enemy's attempt to come against your progress. 
And I ask a mighty protection over them as they continue to walk forward, as we together continue to learn from you about how we overcome an enemy that wants to slow us down and wants to stop us. We ask that your spirit would go powerfully with us, bringing every darkness into the light so that we see it for what it is. And granting us a spirit of victory that says, you're not going to make me stop raising this column of smoke. Lord, I ask that you would make the next steps clear to each one that they may know your will and so therefore be able to walk in it. What is that next step? And we thank you. We pray all these things in your name. We know that they are your plans and not ours. And so we fully expect, our King of Kings, that you are going to do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.